It's a high noon showdown in the final fight for the postseason. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Report Podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 234 of the Indie Bar Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's the candy man. We've been trying to get this going for about an hour and a half now, and it has just been a bunch of faulty starts. You'd think we'd have some sort of Russian militia leader aboard this plane because it keeps falling out of the sky. Yeah, well, it took all the time for us to remove the center field camera, so <laughs> that took a bit. I, I just pray to God you don't have a tablet anywhere near you. No, nah, man, I, it, it feels like one of those uh, legends a parent would tell their kid, like, if you have your tablet with you when you go to sleep, Pete Incavideo will come and he will take it from you forever. <laughs> Warren Nicholson will come and he'll bump you in your sleep consistently. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, we have so much to talk about this week. I know. Oh, I'm so excited. And it starts with the big news of the Vibes getting a new GM, because that's really the headline news this week. Headliner, way to bring it, Pioneer League. Way to, way, way to go off. I know. We've got a week left in their season. We're in the middle of playoffs everywhere else. The Atlantic League's currently trying to untie the giant mess of cable headphones that they are. And the Frontier League is just doing whatever it is that's going on over there. And the Pioneer League says, you know what? we got to dial it up with the heat. We're going to go and we're going to bring in a new GM that starts September 1st and announce it a week early. It's a choice. I don't know. I, I'm not going to hate on it. It's, I don't even have much to say. Like, you know, like I'm in on the business side of things, but I'm not like as well acquainted with the business of Rocky Mountain right now. And he's not going to be handling the baseball side. So I don't really have much thought on that. But there you go. Yeah. I, I legit have it on here. So I'll just wrap up this, I guess. Uh, which yeah. I really didn't expect to start this show with Rocky Mountain, but it's going to keep people on board when we talk Rockland. Uh, yeah, so Bob Flannery's the new GM. He replaces Chris Jones. If Chris Jones sounds familiar, that's because he was the GM in Sugarland a couple years back. Um, Jones left to take the same role in Cleburne. He lives in Texas. Now, Cleburne hasn't announced that formally yet, but because people update their LinkedIn, I was able to find that out. And because if I've learned one thing with the Pioneer League and really all indie leagues over the past five years of doing this is nobody ever updates their website in a timely manner. So I was able to go to just like Rocky Mountains website, find staff, find their former GM, put that into Google uh, and then find his LinkedIn fairly quickly. So uh, Chris Jones goes to Cleburne to do that role there. Uh, as far as Flannery's concerned, he used to be the president and GM of Hagerstown. He was the GM in Augusta, and he was the vice president of the Boise Hawks. That was all over the past about 15 or so years he's held, held those roles. He's also been a GM for a year or two with some teams that relocated. I think it was like the Columbus Red Sticks and the New Haven Ravens, which realistically, really good vibe with that. I like New Haven Ravens. It feels like a, it, it works in my mind. But any case, so... Uh, there's that there. I will say one thing I noticed with Flannery looking at his role, even when he leaves baseball for like a year or two, he still maintains some role in sales, whether that's executive sales, account sales, whatever that may be. So I was wondering, like, is this a thing? Like, are the vibes not doing great attendance wise? Are they trying to like up group sales or something like that? And at least from what they report attendance wise, they're the third highest on average and third highest overall. 
Uh, they're averaging just about 2,300 a game, a little over that, 2,353. And they have over, or just about actually, 106,000 people across 45 games this year coming through the ballpark. So it seems like they're doing pretty well attendance-wise, especially in Colorado Springs, uh, I mean, where they're located there. So it's a decent-sized metro market, but there also is other stuff nearby. You could go to Denver. You could go to Wyoming for all that matters for that. But there's other stuff to do is really the point there. And they seem to be hauling in a sizable crowd. Uh, so I don't think sales is necessarily an issue there. I just found it as kind of an interesting thing that they got a guy that quite clearly has more of a sales background, more of a sales mindset with also the baseball experience. I like the hire overall as much as, you know, you can like a GM hire in this regard. But, you know, fair enough. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't have a ton to say on it. I mean, just chiming in on the attention, they do have the third best attention league, but also like Every team could do better on attendance. So yeah. I think, you know, we don't know what their overhead looks like. So we don't know. Like they could have good sales, but their sales, like goal or their break even point might be different than everyone else, especially some of the smaller markets. So, um, yeah, that's one thing. I, I don't really have much else to add on it. He has bounced around a little bit. I think they did say he spent like six years in Boise at one point, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 14 to 20. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the one I think. Um, that stood out a little bit because that is sort of like, you know, it's kind of what the Pioneer League markets look like, which is nice. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton to add other than that. I will say uh, UC Health Park is massive, by the way. It's yeah. like 8,000 plus attendance. Okay, like, so like, 2,300 uh, looks cavernous. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen much of their ballpark during games. Um, so I don't know, like, if they've, you know, retained all that seating or if they've covered some for ad space, which I, is a move I frankly endorse. But, mm. um, yeah, I I could definitely see room for growth. Like, 23, 2400 per game isn't a bad vibe until you realize that they could quadruple that. And you're like, okay, there's money on the table. So I could see bringing that guy with a little bit of flair for sales. It might not be a bad vibe, but it is a Rocky Mountain vibe. Ah, uh, yeah, there it is. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Get that thing from the glades. The yeah but, but yeah no, i i like the thing too plus with boise it was his longest stay it was seven years and it is actually a pioneer league market so it definitely speaks there i do wonder you know if you've if you're the vibes and you feel like okay we're almost certainly not getting another affiliated gig and by affiliate gig i mean one that you can reasonably seat eight thousand people or close to it on a fairly consistent basis would it make sense to remove some of that seating and try to put in more of like general mingling areas or other, you know, attraction areas in there? Again, I don't know how the ballpark is laid out. Maybe it's not laid out in a way where it's conducive to that. But if you could take out, say, 1,500 seats but add like a giant bar area, maybe that's a decision that's a good one to make. If cost permitting, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I was looking, I think Lexington had something like some ridiculous fans with like, like capacity of like 9,000. I was always a big fan of like, pop a few of those sections out, get some ad space going. They'll generate more revenue over the course of the season than probably your season ticket or your ticket sales in that section. And then from there, you can just, and that's an easy equation to do, by the way. Like, what do we expect to make from this section if we keep it open this year? What can we make from making a giant billboard? Um, yeah. And then from there, yeah, I agree. I think the uh, ballparks right now are going more toward a general either a group area that you can sell slash a just hangout 
open space area. I think that's a good vibe. I have vibe again. Um, yeah, I've been seeing that a lot in the ballparks team know what they're doing and um, be working very thoughtfully about their space. So that's definitely a move that I would think about making. But again, that costs money too. So Exactly. Yeah, you have to do the math on it. But I mean, the good thing with the, with the more meeting space, which is what ballparks are kind of shifting to, is you can also sell the naming rights to that space too. So you have that on top of whatever income you generate from there. And like you said, I imagine, especially now with everything being online for how, God, that was such a like boomer statement. Everything's online, but God, I feel like a Schomburg boomer, but yeah, yeah. see, we're just knocking them down from three today. Yeah. As I was saying with everything online, you can easier to track who's buying, which seats, what sections are, you know, more popular and then you can kind of make a determination from there i also imagine it kind of helps with maintenance too because if you see everyone's buying like section 102 it's like okay we got to target that for more maintenance because those are getting more use and if you need to start to salvage parts it's like okay no one buys in section 225 exactly right time to start grabbing seats from there you'd be surprised how much of a grind it is to replace seats they're expensive bro yeah i can see it it's a weird thing Always like when people get the heat guns out and like kind of refinish them with the heat guns. I love watching those uh, videos. So satisfying. It is. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what's your next topic here? Uh, because I might have one to throw in sort of unexpectedly. Oh, I was just going to go to Rockland, but I mean, we could go ahead and toss to whatever you're going to toss to first. Yeah, let, let's do a quick one. We don't even need to discuss. I'm just going to give an update here because it is, uh, I, I always forget what the date is on it. It's uh, a lengthy, I think, trade deadline day. Yeah. Um, so the quick update since the day has started we've got yarmil geraldo traded to from charleston to staten island not a big deal but i like him a lot young kid and he his stats are not what they probably could be but i saw him in lexington up close to personal answer he was a non-roster spring training invite and he showed up at camp from 97 he had a contract in his hand less than a week later um yeah, I mean, hey, look, he's much rare this year, though. Charleston is a 1-6-4 ERA in 11 innings. So that is more like what I would expect to see from him. Yeah. Last year, he had a bad year in Lexington. and struck out 13 for 9. The kid's nasty. He's mm-hmm. got it. I'm, I'm a firm believer in Yarmil Geraldo. Um, he's still... Oh, you know what? That's a lie. He's actually not as young as I thought. <laughs> 27. His energy is great. <laughs> so every time I interact with him, I definitely treat him like he was fooling me. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> um, but then from there, Charleston also sent Luke Westfall to Southern Maryland for Neil Iscali and William Solomon. Okay. Um, Not bad Charleston deal. traded Diego Gorris to High Point. By the way, interesting to see Charleston sending so many guys right now. Yeah. Um, Cut costs for the end of the year if you're already out of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Please. I'm just looking at the same trade multiple times because the length uh, transaction database is a disaster. Uh, that Yarmo Geraldo trade was for a player to be named later. Classic. Yeah, um, he's been activated for Staten Island. Somebody, Ivan Pinero. Yeah, somebody, please go get my boy Rachansky. Save him from. Yeah, right. Save him. Go get him. High point. Um, Come on, you need another arm. Jamie, you know about yeah. him. You know people in in New York, Rockland area. You were there for so long. Go ahead, call up my boy Tuve. Tuve will tell you the book on him. Go get him. With that plea out of the way, also Long Island signed Yaya Chentuf. <laughs> Great name, yeah. tough year, but he's been good in the past up to like double A, high A last year. Ooh, last Westcott. year was good. Yeah. Um, yep, Zach Westcott gets moved into Gastonia. Yeah, they also signed Mark Fisher, and then Sam Freeman retires. So there's your update from the Atlantic League deadline as of Friday afternoon. All right, 
You know, it's good too. That's going to largely stay up to date for release day. Yeah, sure. Still them. Until so like, you know, on the inactive list, but that's nothing new. That you, you, they cycle him in like in Lexington. Right. Anyway. All right. Any case, so now I suppose we should get back to what everybody expected us to open this show with, and we made him wait 15 minutes for, which is quite frankly our vibe. So some of you may be aware there was a little bit of an incident on Sunday. May have involved an umpire and Tucker Nathan's, you know. Um, I suppose we should just go ahead and run through the flat out. This is what happened first and then get into the fun part of it, which is the disgusting part of it. And the part of it where I saw the people online saying this show is going to be fire this week. So. And there will be plenty of playoff race talk. If you're here for the baseball. But, I mean, you can't yeah. talk about the playoff races without talking about what went down between these two teams. It yeah. actually, yeah. It's so weird. It, it, it's very oddly intertwined. So, Love it. And actually, it does have an effect because Warren was supposed to ump a game, and then he wasn't umping it. So it tells me the suspension came through. But, in any case, and I, wait, was that the one where New Jersey won against the Grays, or was that the one they lost versus the Grays? Ooh, I don't know. Wednesday game. So I think it was Jersey. Yeah, they won that one. It was the 2-1 game. Yeah. Yeah. Even still could have had an effect. But uh, regardless, so uh, general facts of the matter. Uh, Sunday, first inning, uh, Pete got kind of annoyed in Cavillia that uh, the boulders were supposedly, supposedly, allegedly stealing signs using the center field camera. Pete didn't like that, wanted the camera gone. And there was also a tablet in the dugout of the boulders presumably the tablet's there so they can kind of review at bats review swings kind of go through it now could you use it for stealing signs probably not because well frankly put flow sports is really far behind because again flow sports is incompetent and for 30 dollars a month they should be putting out a better product but that's a different rant for a different time so stealing mm-hmm. signs from that kind of tough i imagine it's more like how you see in a lot of other sports where they go to the sideline you look on the tablet and go this is what you did wrong this is what you need to improve on that kind of thing it's i guess the general point point remains the tablet is allowed in the frontier league that's a fact they can have it in there uh there's a quote and we'll go through all the quotes uh later on from the frontier league where it's essentially there's so many different gadgets you can have it's going to be too hard for us to place it so we're just going to allow it so it can be there Pete wanted it gone, so the umpire Warren Nicholson walks over, tells him, get rid of the tablet in the Rockland dugout. It's got to go. Tucker, who is also a hitting coach for the team, so he's a player coach, goes, why do we have to get rid of it? We can keep it. Took offense to it. Warren ejects him because short trigger, and that sent Tucker out of the dugout, who kind of got into Warren's face. Warren bumped him. Can't do that. And then uh, both of them had to be held back. Tucker's ejected. Warren gets sent off from the game. While all this is happening, apparently the boulders voluntarily removed the camera in center field. I also oh, uh, Yeah, I don't believe there are any other obligation in that case. It's a legal yeah. proof camera. Yeah, so they voluntarily remove it. And while all this is happening now, we're waiting for the camera to get taken apart. We're waiting for... The replacement ump to come by because there was an umpire that lived near the ballpark itself. 
So the Frontier League called them to tell them, hey, get over to the game. We need you as a replacement. Um, Something happened. So all of this culminated in a 61-minute delay for the game where we were finally able to get back underway after the first inning. So the too long, kind of tuned out version there is Pete took offense, thought the Bulldogs were stealing signs. One, things were moved. Umpire told things to be removed. Boulders took offense, led to player being ejected, led to confrontation with umpire, led to center field camera being removed, umpire being removed, player being ejected, replacement ump coming in. So that's the first half of Sunday. The second half we'll talk about later on after the game because that was its own little fun spat. But that's the initial outcry on it. And we'll talk about the, you know, aftershock of it once we get through actually discussing the event itself, because we do have comments from both the Valley Cats vice president and the Boulders president and the deputy commissioner of the league. We have a bunch of comments here. All of this, by the way, is from the uh, Times Union. Mark Singles, or Singlet, again. I always struggle with the last name there, but he's the guy who got all the initial reporting on it. We'll have everything linked in the show notes as usual. Yeah, and I mean, I'll throw in there's some additional pieces there that kind of fill in blanks. Like, there were issues between Tucker Nathans and Warren Nicholson Friday. Tucker's not a guy who, you know, is apt to have an opinion that he doesn't verbalize. It's not a negative thing. I'm the same way. Um, But, uh, you know, I could see that. Um, The accusation of sign stealing, I would say, feels... I would say my thought process on this has gone from that's really dumb to like, okay, I'm listening to that's really dumb to okay, I'm listening because Pete does this constantly. Like Pete every year has some sort of thing about sign stealing. Yeah. I don't, my reflex is yes, that's stupid because flow sports is so slow um, when it comes to like the live game. Um, However, I have also heard from now a couple of people within league that like, yeah, I could see some sign stealing happening. So that opens my eyes a little bit more. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, the way I am seeing it as an possible issue would be related to the, it's not getting live signs. I don't think, I think we need to like not think about that. I think we need to think more about, um, Hey, when he throws to solidify the signs that have already been used to call certain pitches so that if you have a guy on second, he can then indicate the signs back. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that would be my guess as to what he's thinking is happening. Um, I don't know, man. Listen, if I'm playing Pete's teams at all now, I'm doing all sorts of dumb stuff to make him think they're stealing signs. Um, This is all wrapped in with something I'm sure we'll talk about, which is Tri-City having a mini- well, no, not many. A, a, it's a losing nearly a full collapse at this yeah. point in time. Uh, rumors of um, players not loving playing for Pete, which has been a rumor that's followed him before, as have his allegations of sign stealing throughout different leagues and places. Um, with that also, like, I mean, I personally know, and other people around him know, that like he's got some negative tendencies and he can be a lot to deal with in the dugout. Um and I think that's starting to wear on things. So, like, all of this is all kind of coming to a head at once over the last month within Tri-City. So that's sort of the weird sort of levels of stress and dysfunction that are coming to a head here. Um, there, 
over the time that they were sort of discussing what to do during that long delay, I do think they were waiting for that ump, though I don't think the ump got there until the third inning, and this was okay. like, the game had barely started at this point. Um, a lot of those phone calls, I got the vibe, were related to whether or not the Tucker Nathan ejection was legitimate. That was, that's the rumor I heard. I could be wrong. I haven't actually got a hard confirmation on it, but that was even my thought during the game was like, okay, if we just had to eject the ump for getting out of pocket, yeah. are we also going to include the ejection of that same player that he like hit because maybe if this is all a personal thing stemming from whatever happened on friday night like maybe yeah. none of this is legit and considering i think the bowlers have like two bench players <laughs> something like yeah. that uh, when it comes to position players like that was super relevant to this game um so that would be my guess there too and then i'll kind of kick it back to you and your thoughts yeah the thing i would wonder about it being legitimate or not is still down to he was still umping the game while it was happening, whether it's a vendetta or not. It's hard to really, That's where I land too, you know, yeah. prove. You have to definitely prove he was targeting Tuck. And if we've already established that when Tuck has an opinion and wants to say something, he's going to say it, then mm -hmm. it makes all the sense in the world that, you know, as soon as they Warren walks over, Tuck's already like, all right, here we go. He's going to say something. What's he going to say? And he's kind of more or less going, give me a reason. And then when he says, you got to get rid of the tablet, which I kind of get the sense from the general vibe I've been seeing from people that Warren's kind of a uh, love him, hate him kind. I think it would be one way of phrasing it. And I got to imagine that leads to him not asking politely to remove the tablet and more of a do it, get rid of it. And that would be all it would take for someone that already had an issue with him two days earlier to go, all right, doing something, saying something. And so you, an umpire can eject a player for yelling at him. That's allowed. It happens. Is it kind of like, okay, that was a hair trigger. Really? Come on. You're going to throw him out for that. I could very well see where it's like Tuck's going at him. Warren's already ready to go. He's gone. And so it's like, it's a legit ejection. It's an interesting situation. It warrants a look over, but it's a, it's legitimate in my mind there. As far as the sign ceiling, I was thinking the same thing where it's like, you know, you're more or less, you can go back and check to see like, okay, when he throws two fingers down, he's throwing a curve or when he's doing this move with his hand against his left leg, it's going to be to the outside, whatever it may be. You know, like that's, you know, you can obviously confirm that. Now, how much that matters, I don't necessarily know. And like, are you going through all your signs in the first inning? Right? Like, yeah, right. That's the, well, I mean, thing. I understand like trying to preserve, like, yeah. maybe it's something he noticed pre in the prior game and then now he's bringing it up. But yeah, I get it too. Well, I mean, that's a pregame ask. Yeah, it's just like Pete's on his third league. Like, that's the thing too, we have to keep in mind here. He was originally in the association, I believe, with Grand Prairie, if I'm not mistaken. Then there was some sort of falling out there. Then it went to the Atlantic League with Sugarland, obviously. Had success, mm -hmm. kind of had a falling out, got suspended in the finals game, and yep. then fell out of there and then wound up in Tri City. And I'm a fan of these types of accusations back then, from what we hear. Exactly. So, and, and at a certain point, you're either great at nailing the fact that science is happening or. You're the common denominator here, my guy. Exactly. And, I mean, we had this whole thing over, what, the last two years with him and Bobby over in uh, Sussex there where Bobby would step out of the box and Pete would lose his mind over it. And, then, you know, we'd go around and around and around on this. And then it was 
playing the game of check him for substance, check him for substance, and he'd have like a 50% hit rate on that. Where like sometimes they'd actually hit a guy for it, and other times it'd be like, I don't have anything on my hands except for rosin. And, some and sweat. Uh, yeah, and other times I think yeah. it was just that umps didn't know what the hell they were looking for, and they saw something that was rosin and sweat, and they flagged it. Yeah, that was something else that I've I have definitely picked up on through those umps. Yeah, I will say I think there was one or two guys where I could absolutely see it being like oh, this oh yeah, attack. yeah, no, a couple guys absolutely right, but yeah, they were absolutely the, attacking. The percentage that they were getting is crazy. Like if yeah. you were checking guys who are actually cheating, I don't think you get the hit rate they had. Yeah, like. I that's what I'm thinking. Like I think a lot of the time they were feeling something that wasn't illegal, and they were still like, "Oh well," because they just aren't well versed enough. Yeah, then also here or there. That's a, well, yeah. maybe it is here and there, but it's uh, it goes back to the fact that I just don't. Again, these issues seem to follow. That's yeah. all. And yeah, and the I thing hear is enough too, from within leagues to yeah into something. And we, <laughs> yeah, and when you're popping the same team that consistently, that either tells me. That locker room is dumb as a rock to keep doing this against a team that you know is going to call you on if he thinks it for even half a second. Or they're not actually doing anything. It's just like they're just looking for a thing. Like, well, we pumped one other dude with tack. It makes sense that someone else in this room would have it. Like, you know, off the bat, you're playing a dude that's going to call you on it. It's like, don't use that shit today. Wash it off your hands. Like, yeah, I agree. So, um, so Pete doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to sign stealing and accusations because it happens a lot. It, it's just how yeah, I view I'm that. Good. And so, like, it's an unfortunate thing here. Like, I also want to take time to talk about, and I'm bumping a player. Like, you can't hit a player. You can't touch a player. That's over the line. And this isn't like the belly bump, too. Like, there was, like, it looked like he sort of swung through. Mm. Like, he went to push around. The one umpire was playing back. I think that was uh, had his name here. He was pretty good. Uh, yeah. The ump, at least from what we could tell, Reed Hoover, like yeah. kind of trying to manage the mess. But he, um, I think he tried to like hold him back. Like it, they started drawing him backwards, so they're both walking to say toward like first base uh, direction, and then uh, Tucker starts to, like follow him, saying something. He says something, and basically the guy, the ump, wheels around. Nicholson does wheels around. And yeah. as he's the the home play sort of steps further in front of him to sort of block him, as he wheels around, his right arm comes forward too and like connects with Nathan in the same way that like a punch to the gut would. Which again, you can say it's incidental, but like, hey man, can't have it. Like it's incidental yeah. because you were getting out of pocket and you couldn't control yourself. Like you're an umpire. Like, bro, I hate to say it, like everyone's human, but like as an umpire, think of the worst thing they could say to you. Somebody should be able to say it. You can eject them, you can handle that, and then you can go to the league and trust the league process will handle it. Like, it, you just can't fly off the handles on somebody. You like you have to be the bigger person. You have to be the adult in the room, no matter what out-of-pocket thing gets thrown at you, said whatever. Handle it within the regulations, and then trust that when you walk it through the proper process of the league that you officiate for, the process will work. And I know that sucks because everybody has the policy of, well, there's some things you can say that you just can't let go. It's like your job is to let it go. You're paid yeah. to let that go. Like it sucks. I don't agree with saying a lot of things to umpires. They're human too, but I'm also like, you can't, I know you didn't intentionally hit him, but you can't even bring an energy that could lead to potentially hitting a player. Like that's crazy. By the way, we also have the video in the show notes too, if you want to take a look at that. But hey. yeah, I found links for everything. 
any case, yeah, it's just like seeing it is kind of crazy because like the first time I watched it, I was like, what's the what's the deal here? And then I was watching the second time. I was like, oh, OK, that's that was what it was. It was kind of weird and crazy to see something like that. It's a shame the Flow Sports didn't give us the full thing, though. Yeah, Flow. No. <laughs> Again, they just don't come through in the clutch, but. Any space, I suppose we should uh, get to some of the fun quotes that we got out of this, too, because there were some really good quotes in this. Yes, sir. So we'll go ahead and we'll kick it off with the first set of them, which come from Sean Riley, the president of the uh, New York Boulders. When he was speaking to the Times Union, he said, quote, your manager in Tri-City has been accusing us of stealing signs for three days, which is offensive and embarrassing at the same time. The umpire went over, based on Pete, and threw out. And things got out of control. It's unfortunate. It was not a good moment for the league. It was an embarrassing moment, and it should have never happened. That was one of the quotes there. The He threw out is referring to Nathan's there. Not the best mm-hmm. wording, but hey. In the moment, I guess we don't get to pick the wording. Mm. At that point, it was not appropriate for us to continue the game with him as the ump. Him being, obviously, Warren Nicholson. Oh, and here's where I believe we get the real juicy quote here. It really didn't have to happen, and it all boils from these ridiculous allegations of pitch cheating that Pete does every year at this time of year. And I think he's an embarrassment to the Frontier League, and I think Tri-City is a first-class organization. But I don't have much patience for that behavior. He gets the umpires riled up that we're cheating. We're not. I find it incredibly offensive to accuse my organization of cheating. He can't win on the field, so he resorts to pitch stealing. Well, then change your signs. He's better than that. And then a quick follow-up in regards to removing the camera. I don't know, because there's a 30-second delay on the camera, and there's a 15-second pitch clock. I really can't figure it out. So, uh, that one quote there was pretty spicy. Yeah, it was. Um, what are your thoughts? So, my immediate reaction is, I get it. I'd be pretty PO'd too if I just had this guy accuse my organization of pitch dealing in the middle of, like, quite clearly the important time of year, wanting to get back to the playoffs, wanting to get that extra little playoff, you know, bump revenue there. Obviously, it doesn't look like they're going to be hosting that. It seems like New Jersey or Quebec is going to be hosting the wildcard game, but even still have the mm-hmm. opportunities. Important, nonetheless. Um, regardless, it's still, it's a personal attack on you if you're the president's organization. Sean Riley's been there for a very long time. I don't recall if he's a day oneer, but he's been there for quite some time. So it's quite clearly personal on that front here. He says Pete's been doing this for three days. So for three days, he keeps on and on and on about it. And then it finally leads to this boil over point that's now getting a lot of acknowledgement, a lot of recognition. It's been picked up by the athletic. John Boy's picked it up too. You know, I've seen this posted around a bunch of places you normally would not see Frontier League news. It does make your organization look bad, admittedly, when you're in the middle of it and you don't see a single Tri City jersey around. Let's also not forget it was also their Negro League night too. So you have all these ex-Negro League uh, team jerseys and whatnot all around. So that kind of dampens the night as well. It's supposed to be a whole big celebration type night. It's now overcrowded by this. So when you make it what's kind of a personal attack on top of kind of upstaging 
what's supposed to be an important night, a community night, and not to mention you make it harder on the business end too, when we now have to have an hour-long delay going around, is he ejected, is he not ejected, we need to get another umpire here, what are we doing about the camera, what's all this, it leads to an hour-long delay, it's hard to keep people in a ballpark for an hour when nothing is happening, right, especially on a Sunday afternoon, so you factor everything in there, and like I understand why it's a very personal attack response, I'm not sure I'd say he's an embarrassment to the Frontier League. I think that's a little bit over the line here. I think if he would have said something along the lines of, this shtick's old, you know, it would have been fair. I think it would have gotten the point across. It's very clear he made an effort to go and say, I'm blaming Pete for this, not the team. I like the team, which kind of tells me he understands the importance of Tri-City in the league. And it kind of makes me wonder what the politics are behind the scenes about that. Um, but regardless of that fact, it is a very interesting, uh, response and a very interesting attack on that front. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I'm just taking a scroll through here to see how New York did the night before with a runner on second. Um, oh. not going to lie. They did well. Um, yeah. however, if you have round second, that is an indicator that maybe you're just hitting the ball. So yeah. it's like. It's a little bit tough. Um, just sort of scrolling. I mean, I got through the first six. Well, hold on. I'm actually going to throw this. Um, yeah. I might have gotten through this whole thing. How about that? Nick? How about That's that? That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I would. God. Okay. I mean, what do we say? Because it does sound like ganging up on Pete here. Um, yeah. Well. Like, here's the thing. Yeah, I, I found it interesting. To say yeah. this time of year, which we all know what that time of year is for Pete and Tri City, yeah. which is choking season. Um, yeah. I mean, well, to be fair, then, prior to this year, it was slow start, gangbusters for like the back half of June, July, and the first week or two of August, and then regress back to normal for the last two weeks and mm-hmm. run out of steam. That's kind of been the playbook. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know, man. There's so much to it. I, I really don't. I, first of all, I, I can say I know enough to know he's not the one who feels this way. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of get tired of Pete's thing. I think Pete's, I think Pete's the type of guy for certain people and not the type of guy for a lot of people. Um, that describes just about anybody on that 93 Phillies team, though. So <laughs> I don't really know. Um, describes a lot of people in baseball, to be honest. Yeah, facts, actually. Um, I still don't know what to think about it. I, I it feels extreme for what it is. Embarrassment to the league, I get. Saying, you know, Pete is an the event itself is an embarrassment to the league, but I'm not certain that that. Okay, here here's what it is to poorly formulate. Yeah. Yes, this was an embarrassment to the league. However, let's put it in the perspective of Pete does this. Say the cameras removed. Okay. Yeah. Then. They just go on. That's not an embarrassment to the league. That's going to be hashed out with the league office, which, by the way, complicating this, the fact they don't have a president right now. Oh, yeah. Talk about things that are embarrassing to the league. Maybe let's look at that. Poor Steve. Um, he's got to deal with all this. This is why he doesn't want the job. Well, then what really is the embarrassment to the league is the umpire's behavior. Okay. I'm sorry. Nobody was posting this like, oh, whoa, centerfield camera moved. How about this? John Boy didn't care about that. Here's about the umpire situation. So you can point the finger. 
at Pete, which I agree, by the way, I think Pete's a lot of pocket here, but also what's more out of pocket? Tucker, who is both a player and a coach, mouthing off twice in a row to this umpire who obviously has an issue, and then it turns into something bigger, and the umpire making it something bigger because he has limited self-control, apparently. Those, If we're making a list of things that are a problem here, I think one is the ump, two is Tucker Nathan's, three is Pete. And that's not saying Pete isn't a substantial issue which should be dealt with by the league. I'm not but gonna, it is a reach to say that it's on Pete. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I will say, if you're looking at it from Sean Riley's perspective, he's going, if Pete doesn't start this with the sign-stealing allegation, then Tucker never loses, loses on the ump because the ump never comes over to the dugout to ask about the tablet. So, yeah, you look at... They started the ball rolling, but there are multiple points where it could have been de-escalated or not gone sideways. Uh, it always goes back to... I mean, you're a hockey guy. Yeah. Like... There's the guy who starts the fight, but then there's the guy who gets the penalty. Yeah, like, there's the instigator. Because he didn't have to respond in a certain manner. Yeah. And that's what I go back to. Like, you're an adult. There's a way that you can handle this. Like, frankly, I agree with Tucker being mad about this. I do. I If we were to say, like, what the share is of it, I would almost say Pete and Tucker are kind of even in this because I, I think. Like again, a 25, 25, 50 type of deal? Yeah, say the, say the ump just says, got to get rid of the tablet or whatever. There's a way you can go about it quietly and then bring it up to the league or go to the home plate umpire and say, hey, like, we disagree with this. Can we give the league a call? Or you can pop off like Tucker Nathan's did and get tossed, and that starts the ball rolling. Uh, to an umpire that you know is quick to toss you at this point. Yeah. Like, uh, now, I do, as I said, the vast majority of the, quote, embarrassing to the league is this umpire. Like, that, yeah. Is, yeah, that is not, I think, I think that's clear. Uh, but I also, like, I'm not blind. Like, I think it's out of pocket that Pete's making these accusations. I think it's tacky. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's grasping at straws. Um, and, and honestly, I'm not beyond just, just being a weird gamesmanship thing that he's doing. Honestly, like, it's also possible. That's what I thought. But that's what I was thinking yeah. about because it, it's such a common thing here. And if you can tell, like, the vibe is shifting in that dugout, especially for a guy that's been around baseball for a long time. You could tell when the vibe shifted in a dugout, especially guys managed for as long as Pete has. So if you need to just throw something out there to try and, you know, change the tide a bit, even if it is only the first inning of a game, it's still the first inning of a game that you'd really like to have because it would do an awful lot of good for you to have it. Mm-hmm. Like that's one way of doing it. And you know, it's going to cause something and you know, it's going to create a reaction. So like if that's just part of the strategy element of it, I want to begrudgingly respect it because he's doing everything he can to get his team to win. And that's kind of what I expect from someone on that team to go and do everything you can. And like Tuck definitely has to have a better reaction to that, especially really the whole Rockland side of it. It's like, that's a pretty veteran staff there. TJ has been around for a while too, TJ Stanton. And it's just a terrible look when your manager essentially has to put you in a bear hug and kind of spin you away from an umpire. So that's not a good luck, even though, again, like, I would love to know what exactly was said and how it was said in regards to that tablet being removed. Because that, I feel like, would very much, you know, shift how much blame I'm putting on Tuck here. Because, like, I agree with what you're saying in that you have to have a better reaction to that. You have to understand the situation and not fly off the handle here as hard as it is to do it. And it's, you know, pretty hard. Eeks can't do it. And... 
especially if he came, if Warren came over aggressive, right? If Nicholson came over and was like, get rid of it now. It's got to go. We're not continuing the game until it's gone. Then I, I get it. If he came over like that, like very much, this is the law. You're going to do it. You don't have a say in it. Yeah. That's inviting conflict. But if he came over like, hey guys, tablet's got to go. Can't happen. Dug out. And then Tuck like flies off at him and Warren's just like, all right, here we go. Then, you know, I kind of, I kind of see it here, but I, I will agree wholeheartedly with when I think about the whole situation, the situation is what's the embarrassment here. I think Riley calling Pete an embarrassment to the league is pretty far over the line. I don't think that's, you know, I don't think he's the embarrassment to the league here. Maybe the situation his request caused is the embarrassment, and I would agree with that. But to call the guy it, that, I think that's over the line. Yeah, and also, I mean, Pete doesn't have the best, rec- like, reputation outside of the league. But also, yeah. Pete has... Not the worst. Like having Pete yeah. Avila is it, it is it's a, still a draw. Cap in many ways. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm not even willing to go that far. Yeah. yeah. And because if you're talking about Pete in general, like pointing the finger in general, you know, all right, I could see it maybe, but like for the most part, no. Um, yeah, I think the comments weren't exactly fair, but I do think I see where he's going with it, yeah. right or wrong. Yeah, I, uh, I I think it's also noteworthy too. I've heard more in the Frontier League than any other league that I at least talk to frequently. So we'll call it the American, the Frontier, and the Atlantic. Yeah, of um, managers who seem kind of chummy with umpires, yeah. like grabbing a drink with them post game. I've heard a couple of those things, not specific to this crew and Pete or anything, but yeah. um, I when it comes to the, the context, I took really reading through you know what was said there by. Um, Sean Riley is that he did mention like it, something was said to that umpire and that specific umpire decided he wanted to act on it, I guess. Yeah. If that's the case, I could see it where it is like, you know, everybody's like, whatever, be shut up. And, but yeah. he's buddies with the one guy and that guy is willing to like, hear it out. Yeah. It's like, you okay, know, let's go down this road. Shooting it in and around the clubhouse of just like, Hey, like, here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you. That's what they're doing. Like I'm telling you, like they're fooling you guys, whatever. Like, hey, man, you give a guy to make the, uh, the chance to make the sales pitch, there's a good chance he can close it. So um, I could definitely also see that being mm. how this one came about and where it continues to kind of spiral sideways. Yeah, I definitely could. So on that, we'll shift into the next set of co- comments and quotes here because we do have a response to Riley's quotes from the vice president and general manager of the Valley Cats, Matt Callahan, also a guy we've had on the show, in addition to having Pete on too. So this is kind of fun for me. But um, so when asked about Riley's comments, you know, mainly the an embarrassment to the Frontier League part, uh, Riley had said, I don't think any of us appreciate or agree with those comments, meaning the ones from Riley. Pete is a value member of our organization and an asset to the Frontier League. He's been a big reason for our success on the field over the past few years. They asked Pete about that comment. The, you know, didn't have to happen. All he said was no comment. Um, okay. Yeah. And then if we want to go into the, you know, uh, Steve Tassler's comments now, or do we want to go ahead and go for Callahan first, and then we'll circle back to uh, to Tassler? Uh, I mean, I don't have too much to add at this point, but then I will point out. So on that Saturday, the game before, with the runners on the second, New York went two for seven. They did have a single and a double and a pair of walks, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Not too crazy for how teams typically do with runner on second this week. Yeah. So as far as what Callahan said, all I'm really going to say is it just sounds like a guy that's defending his guy, right? Like Callahan brought in Pete. He's going to stand by Pete. There's a reason he decided to pick up the third year option on the contract, which knowing Pete does not have a contract through the, or just through the end of this year, nothing for 24 makes me really interested to see what the Valley Cats are going to do. And if there's any pressure from the league to do a certain thing here, obviously the league views them as kind of like the golden calf here, I think is Mm -hmm. kind of fair to say. They obviously went to some lengths here to keep them in here. Uh, I think rumblings that we both kind of heard kind of imply that their opinion has kind of a a larger impact on league decision-making than maybe some others in regards to the roster of teams they get fielded. I think that may be fair to say. I, I do. I do agree. I see where you're going with that one. And, and that is that is echoed by a lot of the opinions that I've heard from around the league as well. Yeah. So if that's the case here, you know, if Tri-City says we want to bring Pete back, does the league kind of go, okay, whatever. Or are they like, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Or I don't think the league's going to have that kind of overreach. But I could mm-hmm. definitely see it being maybe a situation where it's like, guys, come on. If you're going to do it, just like, can you try to get it to a situation where we're not dealing with this every year? Yeah, and the question is, is he making this a headache to the league, though? Yeah. That's also relevant. Um, True. Or is he just, like, pushing a certain umpire staffs on it when he has the opportunity or umpire crews on it? Like, um, I mean, I would be surprised if it isn't touched the league whatsoever, but is it enough where they see him as a negative for the league as a whole? I, I think it's unlikely. I yeah. Think so. I think yeah, I think probably rather have. Well, look, 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 hold on. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a second to myself. Um, I mean, look, the Atlantic League seems fairly, you know, adversarial to Pete. I mean, they're the ones who handed down the suspension of the championship series. So, you know, it's not the umpire. Yeah. So that is something they consider. Yeah. I think it's, a, it comes down to a matter of, are they tired of dealing with the same thing every year? And is this the thing that kind of, breaks the camel's back as to okay now it's gotten actual widespread attention here is this really like okay now this is affecting the brand a bit maybe not in the best way we got to do something about this i don't think it is i think that's probably an overreaction to it and if anything i think that that ump's about to face the the wrath of the league more than pete sure. or tucker is i mean tuck didn't get suspended right uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay. I didn't think he did, but I wanted to just... That would be a tough sell. You yeah. know, even if he did something maybe suspendable, you know, yeah. to then have him suspended after the ump makes contact with him that way, I think... Yeah, it's a bad like, look. Yeah, it's a tough yeah. push. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I figured that's the That's case. not one of the interim guys looking to make a move on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I just... I kind of view it in that regard. I think that could be the thing, but is it? I probably not. But uh, we do Last have on the uh, stat line thing, by the way, is runners on second base on Friday. The boulders went 0 for 6 with a pair of K's and three fielders choices. Ah. Yeah. But. Never reached base. So on the whole, going into that game, if we're going with the possibly guys on second base having the um, having the signs, having the signs, I think it's a two for 13 entering the day. Two for 13 with a pair of walks with a pair of walks and a double. Okay, so that's kind of a hard sell there. If it's yeah, a base hit, a double, and two walks, because you're only four base runners and 15 goes at it, that's uh Yeah, 
That's, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we do have a quote from Steve Tasler, Deputy Commissioner of the League, and that is Pete raised an issue. Pete had some logic behind what he did. Since he's got the integrity and the passion, I didn't think he was throwing it out there just to cause me extra work. We did look into it, and we looked at it from several angles, but we did not find any unfair advantage they would have had. In regards to the tablet and the dugout, uh, Tasser said, the way technology is these days with watches and phones, it's so small and hard to please. We didn't think there was any possible way we could please it. Uh, Callahan said in regards to the league, the league looked into the concerns, and it's an internal matter at this point. As far as I'm concerned, it's time for us to move on and focus on the games in front of us. Hopefully, that will include playoffs as well. And I believe that is just about it. Oh, wait. One more quote on Pete from Gallahan, which is, Pete is in the dugout and has his hand on the pulse of the game. It's important to him to stick up for his players. And if he feels like there's something going on that disturbs the integrity of the baseball game, then he's going to call them on it. Does that mean he's always right? I don't know. That's a fun one, too. Yeah, that is. Uh, I think the initial Steve Tasler quote, the sort of the back end of that one where he says, like, we looked into it, there wasn't anything there, and then we continued on. Yeah. That could have been the entire quote, and the fact that he took the time to sort of justify it and explain where uh, Pete was coming from, that really does sort of, um, yeah. that does tell me the league is not yeah. tired of Pete, necessarily. Uh, they could have easily hung him out to dry like he's a crazy person. Um, and... and by the way, I can point to the, the stats of guys on base all I want to. Uh, the Houston Astros, I think the stats say they actually hit worse when there was banging on trash cans happening, so whatever. Um, I think, you know, for all we know, there could have been, he, who knows what he's seeing. Like, he's, I'm not sitting there looking at every time a guy's on second at this point in time. I can go back because I hate myself. Uh, and seeing whether guys making an indicator from second base or if there's something coming from the dugout or whatever, or if there's guys, you know, peeking down at the iPad and then, like, doing weird stuff. Like, there's, we don't know what he's seeing. I, my my gut reaction is this is probably nothing just based on the past track record. Um, however, I'm definitely not saying like this is absolutely nothing. I, I would not be uh, wholly surprised with that. Yeah. Like, Plus, teams love to beat Tri-City. Teams love to beat Tri-City. So I wouldn't be surprised if a team pushed it playing them. I mean, I could see it too. Also, given the circumstance of this series, I mean, I think it would be safe to call the Tri-City Boulder series last week a do-or-die series for the Boulders. They needed that series, and they had their opportunity, you know, and they took advantage of it. They took two or three. It kept them right in the hunt. They're still in the same spot they were last week at the time, which is a game back, mainly because the Miners did them a solid, and Quebec was like, yeah, no, we're clinching this week. We don't care what you have to say. Uh, so... That is a factor in, too. I'd be willing to suggest that they went over a little bit, but to steal signs, I don't know about that. But uh, it just is an interesting comment there. And overall, everything I get from this end of it is the league did what they had to do. They looked into it. And Callahan's sticking up for his guy. Although I do think the, does that mean he's right every time? I don't know. It's kind of a fun one for saying, I know some of these are bullshit, but... You know, Pete's my guy, so I'm not going to say half the time they're bullshit, half the time they're legit. Yeah, I think half is probably yeah. still beneficial, but that's <laughs> what I got on that. <laughs> I'm not going to go any deeper there. Uh, all right, so we only have one other point of comment. Uh, 
as far as Sunday in Rockland goes, because after all this was done in the first inning, we had some festivities after the ninth where we had a small incident where it appeared, and let me go ahead so I get the exact parties involved correct. I don't want to get any of them wrong. Again, everything linked in the show notes. Definitely recommend taking a look at all of that um, before you really dive into this here. Because uh, we had a small scrum, a small skirmish, if you would, after the game, uh, where I believe it was Johnny Ve- uh, John Vargas... Uh, was getting chirped at by a guy on top of the Rockland dugout, and then the teams kind of met right in front of the Rockland dugout, and there was a small scrum. There wasn't really any punches or anything thrown. It's just something of note, something of interest that also happened in this game too. I don't have a lot of info on that one. It wasn't just, I think I lost time in the shuffle a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't have a ton to add. Just another example of like, if you're not on the field, shut your mouth. Like, sorry, I'm kind of yeah. at that point. The thing that happened in Atlanta this week uh, with those fans on the field, I'm just kind of over it. I'm like, yo, if you're coming to be a problem, shut up and don't show up. Like, what are you doing? It, it just bothers the hell out of me, but whatever. That That's one I'm a little more annoyed by than I probably should be, but I'm just like, it, it, especially with what we saw with um, what's-his-face in uh, uh, Rowdy Reed in uh, Oh, yeah. Frederick already. I'm like, bro, like that was their home crowd. I'm like, what are we doing out here? Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. It just is and you can see the exact guy too, because I believe if you go back and you watch the clip from earlier involving Tuck Dives also obviously in front of the Rockland dugout, you could tell exactly which guy it is that says something. Like on top of the dugout. Yeah. And that's why at first I saw some initial people going, Well, maybe it was something that the guy had said. And the ump thought Tuck said it, and Tuck was like, I didn't say anything. And then we obviously found out it was the sign stealing. But, yeah, it's just, why are you coming to a minor league baseball game to chirp a player and try to start a fight with a player? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Because I don't know what he yeah. said, but it clearly was something. And, like, what are you contributing to the party? <laughs> like, what, what, what? wisdom or insight do you have that the people on the field in the dugout don't have? That's what gets me. Yeah, I just don't. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Thanks, John. <laughs> what? Yeah, the first time long times need to keep it to themselves sometimes. Yeah. Hey, bud. Haven't played since middle school? Maybe sit this one out. Look, when I played in middle school, hey, I bud. was 13. Probably haven't been in a physical confrontation since middle school. Maybe sit this one out. Look, in high school, I was third team all county. But any other comments on this whole uh, Rockland situation before we actually start talking baseball? Let's talk baseball, dude. All right. So we'll see how that shakes out. But the good news is, let's say you want to talk more about the boulders. Well, we have more boulder talk for you because the series of the week this week is New Jersey at the boulders because this series has the most implications across all the leagues that are wrapping up. That's because you thought it was wild. Wait, it gets bolder. Oh, God. Oh, God. Bobby Jones and the boys with PJ in the dugout are going to be going up to see TJ. So we got PJ versus TJ in a big showdown here. PJ looking to try and get that by. Assuming Quebec loses, he's going to need a little bit of help to do that. If Quebec keeps pace, Quebec's got him. Uh, If 
Quebec loses a game, New Jersey wins a game, then they have a chance to really get a bye, and that could be fairly important depending on how things shake out here. Uh, if not, New Jersey seems to be pretty well set. I'm not sure the uh, odds man known as Candyman here would know for certain if they're locked into hosting that wild card game or having a bye. I got to imagine they are. I think it would take a very odd circumstance for them to not, but for all intents and purposes, I think they're locked in, right? Uh, the Jackals locked into at least the second team. Okay, so then, yeah, they're locked in there. So is that, I was making sure that. Yeah, that, that, that was the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, I was <laughs> I was like, meanwhile, I'm looking at the, the standings like, yeah, right? Doing the triple check on my math. Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, they are going to be either a one or a two seed. Okay, so they're, they're in a good spot no matter what. It's either they're hosting a game or they're going to be waiting to decide if they're going to be driving up to Quebec for a game or if they're going to be staying in the same general area for a game and not even bother getting the hotel room. Uh, so... That's what's on the line for the Jackals. The Boulders, on the other hand, are a game back of the Valley Cats for that final playoff spot. They have four games against New Jersey. That's one more than pretty much everybody else fighting for that spot because everybody only has three. Doubleheader tonight on Friday. Uh, so that's going to be a huge setup there for the Boulders. They need to find that game and at the very least get tied with Tri-City. If they're tied to Tri-City, they will hold the tiebreaker. They will win there. However... While the Valley Cats getting swept helped the boulders out considerably, it also allowed the miners to crawl out of the hole. It's very reminiscent for me of that one scene from The Wire where Omar comes in with the clock to see Prop Joe, and then once he leaves, he goes, I just crawled out of my damn grave. I'm not crawling back in. It's very much <laughs> like that for the miners where they went two weeks ago losing to the Grays and me saying, I think I just watched their season die. Because yep. there's no coming back from this to just crawling out of their grave, now having three against the Greys, and arguably having the most direct pathway. Because again, they just need a tie, which is just one game up on the uh, Valley Cats themselves. So that's what gets really interesting here. Now, the Valley Cats themselves are in an interesting spot. They have three against three rivers. The, I believe, third or fourth worst team in the league, second worst in the conference here, but early reports have it being the Eagles are very, very interested in keeping Pete from the postseason, so they'll be playing tough, and if that's all you have left to play for, then hey, you might as well go for it. Also, uh, John Vargas is not going to be joining with the team. There's still visa issues there. Juan Kelly will go with, uh, with the Valley Cats up there, though. He got his uh, visa issues sorted out. So that's what's on the stake everywhere here. What happens over with the Grays happens with the Grays. What happens with the Valley Cats happens with the Valley Cats. This series has the most direct impact, so that's why we're talking New Jersey and New York this week. In case you're wondering, past matchups have the Boulders up 3-2 to two in the season series, and the Boulders are plus 12 on the run differential when playing the Jackals there. So last meeting was July 17th, so they've all been very early on we're over a month about six weeks apart between these games and also there's been a lot of rain issues and weather issues that go into just about every meeting between the two hence why we have a doubleheader tonight so with that i'm going to stop talking for a bit yeah um i, I mean to simplify the tie breaks situation not forget anything else uh tri-city has to beat the boulders and Sussex county both outright 
uh, because they don't have the tiebreaker on anybody. Um, when it comes down to New York and Sussex, Sussex does have the tiebreaker on New York, just to make sure that's clear. Um, with that, actually, that does, uh, I mean, I don't know if I want to talk playoff odds now or if I want to hold it till later. Yeah, we'll hold um, on for a little bit. Okay. But that does help Sussex County actually, you know, positioning wise, because one, they're playing a lesser opponent. And two, they just need to win as many games as the Boulders, uh, to at least be up on them. And then it's up to Tri-City, kind of how things go from there. Um, when it comes to the Jackals, it's worth noting, uh, from people, you know, within the organization, it sounds like the Jackals are going to kind of continue, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to, uh, come in on top of the division, get that first round by. Uh, however, it, it seems to be they're going to kind of just keep going as normal for now. And then if Quebec drops a game, they'll kind of take that as the opportunity, assuming that Jackals are winning, which is that's an assumption. The Boulders are a tough opponent. Um, they're basically not going to change anything about the way they're doing business. But if, if Quebec does drop a game, then the Jackals will start to rearrange the pitching staff. If that's the case, I would not be surprised to see if they go to the Sunday game, seeing like Jorge Tavares get on the bump, but even on a day short rest, just to see if they can lock in that buy. But um, beyond that, the Jackals do not seem overly motivated to fully change things around. And as we kind of talked about, it doesn't necessarily matter um, <laughs> who they're playing. It, it unless they have the buy, which is certainly an advantage not have to go to that wild card game. Exactly. I mean, in, depending on who gets in there, they may play in the same stadium regardless, right? Because if the Myers get in, it's Skylines no matter what. If it winds yeah. up being the Boulders, they're just going to play their fifth straight against the Boulders. And if it's a Tri-City, I mean, that's a cold Tri-City team. That, there's no way around it. An L5 right now with a... Three and seven, the last ten is not exactly what you're looking for there. So yeah, man, I'm like, if I want to feel real good going into something, it'd be like the Tri City if they like drop two out of three this weekend, but they still make the playoffs. Man, I'd be about that life if I'm a team trying to play. If I'm the Jackals, I have to play them. Like that's a good one. If they take two out of three, man, it's a different conversation. That is the most likely scenario, I think, for them getting in. So mm. I don't know. It, it's definitely there's I mean, pros and cons. Even and by the way, I think it's. I think the Jackals have lost more than they've won against all three of these teams. So that's another really? question. Yeah, I, I mean, think I'll, they might. I'll do a fact check, but yeah. Yeah, like I'm just going to make one point and try to say we don't have to comment on it because I do want to jump into that Jackal point, uh, which is even if Tri-City takes two or three from uh, Three Rivers, but there are, there are two very long wins, right? You have to use multiple arms. You have to go the full length. You can't really let off at any point. They're not, you know, runaway wins like we saw the Jackals had. Yeah. They have like a 22-10 win or something like that. You know, that's a good win. That's a win you can feel good about. Maybe not the runs you're letting. Or was it 22-3? It was some blowout score. You can still feel good about it. But if you're winning like a 5-3 to three game, but you had to use like three or four pitchers in it, and then the next night you go out and you win 2-1, and then you drop a game, say, you know, 7-3, I don't feel good about that at all, man. Like, I feel pretty bad about that. Then having to travel all the way back down from Canada to go play the Jackals at uh, Skylands. Then even if I win, I got to go right back up to Canada to play Quebec. That's a big mountain to have staring in front of you. Yeah, I agree. It's a bad way to go about things. And I'll correct myself. They have... The Jackals have a losing record against Tri-City. They enter the weekend with a losing record 2-3 and three against the Boulders, and they 
kicked it in on Sussex County. I forgot. I forgot how bad the DFS. Yeah, it was County. bad early they, on. They're seven and two against them this season. I, they had a whole. They, they had a stretch there where I think they won like five or six in a row. So yeah, that happened. Uh, if I'm Sussex, I, I'm not looking forward to possibly seeing the Jackals, regardless of whose home field we're playing at for a home game or away game. Yeah, I will say the Jackals, as far as like as the gears gone on, their pitching has gotten better. But overall, away from Hinchcliffe, I'm not nearly as afraid of them. They're 21 yeah, and 20 away from Hinchcliffe, including the split they just had with the Grays this week. As a team hitting-wise, man, they drop a lot of like batting points here. I mean, they go and they're hitting 274, 378, and 451 as a slash line on the road. That's significantly less than Hinchcliffe. Now, there's obvious reasons for that, but mm-hmm. even still, it's a notable drop. For for a team that is by far in every category away the best hitting team in this league. Now, granted, the Boulders are probably a top five hitting team there in and of themselves, so it's not like they can't go toe to toe batting wise. They're certainly capable of doing it, but still, uh, this is a jackal team that you know offense is their niche. They survive on that, and they should. Their stadium's geared to that. If your stadium's geared to that, if you play opponents whose stadiums are built more favorable to hitting home runs, putting up runs, why would you not, right? That just makes the most sense to do it that way. So, and they still do have the three best home run hitters and RBI getters in the league. So, I mean, this, even if away from Hinchcliffe, they're not the same, they're still very strong here. But I do see kind of your point of they don't have the best record against two of the three teams they could possibly play here. So, I do feel like the buy matters a little bit more to them. Maybe you don't go all out for it, but it certainly would be helpful, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, just check on that. I mean, it's crazy. It's a, your winning percentage at Hancock is your 720. <laughs> Dude, home field's nice, ain't it? I know, man. Especially in a build a team that was playing that thing constantly. But then the 513, I mean, it's good. They're 21, what, 2120 outside yep. of Hinchcliffe? So, like, boy. That's a that's a stark drop. That's hard to ignore. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm just seeing exactly what that record is at uh, Sussex. Skyland. So at, at Skyland. Well, yeah. it's at least one and one. Them. Yeah. Um, and if you said they're seven and two against the Miners, that means at best it's eight and three. I got them at three and two. Three and two. So then it'd be four they and three. They did not play many games. How about this? I mean, they played a four-game series against Sussex. Three of them were at home. They played a three-game series of Sussex. Two of those were at home because they do the whole home-and-home home thing. Yeah. And then they played two because there was a rain out and one of those were at home. So that's weird. any case, yeah. So the Jankles have a lot to play for. There's a lot of reasons why that may be a struggle for them. With New York, like I said, they're a game back of a playoff spot. They really, really need a good series here. They have a very good winning percentage at home. They're 32 and 15 at home. They hit pretty comparably to the Jackals, slightly better batting average, slightly worse uh, uh, on base, and then a, a marginal better, barely even worth noticing. Uh, slugging percentage that's better for them at home. Honestly, you look at the two, and they seem pretty comparable in a lot of ways in this matchup. I just got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Is this uh, like a series that comes yeah. down to just who wants it more as shitty analysis as that is? It 
kind of feels <laughs> like that, right? Like this just feels like a one team is do or die. The other team is kind of like, we'd like to win this. It would be very beneficial if we did. So we're still going to try. But if we get to Saturday and it's like Quebec's not losing any steam here to Ottawa, maybe we're better off just lining our pitching up. Yeah. Um, I'm just checking through the math right now. I mean, it, it definitely is a better percentage of things just like, you know, after one, like I would say the yeah. odds of the boulders pulling off a sweep are slim. I mean, they're slim, but if they win one of these first two, the odds of them winning those last two definitely go up because the odds of the, the Jaguars win, eh, okay, wash your hands and line up the pitching is much higher. Like, there's no way, like, there's a chance that if, like, the Jackals are still battling, they see Tavares on short rest on Sunday, there's no chance they see the A pitchers coming in. Uh, especially if there's a chance that the Bullers might play the Jackals right away in that wild card game. The Jackals ain't showing them a thing. Like, I think, yeah, it's one of those weird ones where it's hard to run what the odds are. Like, sometimes you can with the straightforward situation where, like, well, if, you know, they split the doubleheader, then the odds are this of the playoff chances. But, realistically, the odds of them winning those last two games would definitely go up with even just one win on Friday, um, let alone two. Because I think if you see the Boulders win two, which also increases the odds of them being the team the Jackals play the playoffs, I think the Jackals pack it the hell in for Saturday and Sunday. And they're not going to, I think they throw position players maybe before they even throw some of their best pitchers. I can see it. I mean, like, it makes sense here. The playoffs are your ultimate goal. You're already locked in. If you feel like for even the second that that buy is out of reach, it's probably the more prudent option there. But yeah, exactly it. Um, yeah, that's why. Also, I mean, some of this can be kind of funky when you might have to turn around and just play the same damn team. But yeah, um, uh, just looking at the numbers here, it's um. Depending on how you want to look at it, I'm like trying to see. It's so weird with a four game series. It's nice to be like, well, the odds of a sweep or a win, but like, there's also like, there's five different results from the series, but like, the odds of the Jackals pulling off a sweep are 9%. The odds of the Boulders pulling off a sweep are 7 yeah, Uh, the odds of the Boulders taking three is 29%. The odds of the Boulders taking three is 25%. And the odds of a split is 37. So, um, I mean, it's it's about as even as you can get across the board, only separated by like two to four percent mostly. Like, and a lot of it's just going to come down to what the situation is. Um, I, I like, I I would say looking at the pitching staffs, and we kind of talked about this before we we went live here. I think um, the Boulders pitching staff does not line up well. I think they've been kind of scrapping constantly, and the Jackals kind of have had a revolving door with a little bit of purpose of like kind of seeing what fits, seeing what works. They've had like six or seven pitchers in the last seven or eight games. Uh, start games. Um, but they basically have five guys that seem to be available for these four games that when you include Tavares is probably willing to go in short rest on Sunday if needed. Um, but looking at like the, the boulders, normal starters, I only saw like, um, what Huertas, Lombard and, ba- and Backman as like potential options. So it, definitely the boulders going to have to piece it together a little bit. That does not help them coming this weekend. Yeah, no, it doesn't. So, especially like, against an offense that okay, sure they're not home, but that offense is a problem. So you yeah. gotta be on top of it. Fair. The scary thing, and this is sort of a PJ Phillips offense thing too, is he puts together lineups that like, if you have a bad inning, they like 
they're jumping you. you before you can get another pitcher on. Like that's, I mean, that's so much of baseball now. It's the, it's how fast can you react to something to make sure it doesn't, you don't get a crooked number hung on you. It's if your starter drops off or they see something or they feel good about it, or he just doesn't have it that day. Like there could be four on the board on you before you have a guy warm. And that is definitely the, the threat when you see that top of that, the top six or seven, honestly, in that Jackals lineup. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I guess the, the question is, what do you think is going to come out of this series? Or what do you think the ultimate result is? And maybe not the ultimate result, but you do have a game up next where we're going to dive into that a little bit more. So what do you think the outcome of the series is here? Uh, I think they split. Split? Honestly, two and two? They cop out, but I do think they split. Oh, terrible. He hate the cop outs. I know. I always think... I think the Jackals are too good to lose three out of four, but I also think that they probably take the foot off the gas at one point and the borders are so motivated that they find a way. And I think two, I think that feels right, splitting in two and two. All I'm going to say about the series is, is it wrong for me to hope that we somehow see Warren Nicholson on Sunday umping this game? Damn, dude, it's possible. Like, I wouldn't put it past the league or oh my God. anything involved here. No, oh I, I actually honestly see it. All jokes aside. Uh, like, legitimately. Dude, Six in their lineup are like averaging together to 300 plus, by the way, looking at New Jersey. You know that? I just, yeah. Eh, yeah, I'm just saying. I just, I marvel at that lineup yeah. sometimes. Like, good lord. <laughs> I just picture we get in from Sussex, we walk through, and they do the announcement for the for the umpires, and we just hear Warren Nicholson. And I'm just going to like, you're so, like, oh, we're going to have a day today. Going to keep the video on for that one. <laughs> just be like, all right, so we're not sitting on this deck anymore. We're going right down low, right by this boulder dugout. Oh, God. I kind of want this to happen. I kind of do. But, like, the part of me that's like, no, I want to keep this a legitimate baseball game where it matters means I don't want Warren anywhere near this. But the, the content part of me is like, but if he does, or even better yet, but if he umps the wild card game and the boulders are there... Dude, oh my The God. league can't possibly do that. That's just not an option. No, I don't think so either. I think that's a, a non-starter. Yeah, I could just imagine the protest that you'll see the Boldies throw up. But Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me, I'm just trying to think through. If they were to split that, like I just said, what that would do to playoff odds, that would give Tracy a 43%-ish chance. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, again, I don't want to get too far in the playoff odds there, but I believe Sussex with like a twenty two percent chance of making it. Yeah. Wild. Wild. Yeah, right. So wanna get to the game here? Hell yeah, man. Alright, so again, with all these games, I don't really have names for them. We're still workshopping them. I kinda have Frogger going here. Cause like in Frogger, you kinda gotta go between the cars and jump through to the safe spot and then jump onto the logs so you can finally get across to the lily pad. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Basically, what you need is you need things to go right. You need to be quick. You need to be able to adapt. You need to move. So I got four teams here. They're all right now on the cusp. Uh, it's a lot of Frontier League still. We have two Frontier. We have two American associations. So don't think we didn't forget about them. Um, I got four kind of steps for them to get through here. And I want you to tell me how likely, either numbers-wise or in your opinion-wise, either or is good for me, they are to happen. So we're going to open up with Sussex because it's a pretty easy, a pretty light one. 
and uh, we'll work our way through it. I think you'll you'll catch on pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, so straight up, Sussex needs to win a game more than Tri City, and as many games as New York. Okay, like as many or more than New York, I guess is the way to say it. All right. So, the first step in all of this, as you could probably guess from that intro, is the likelihood they beat the Grays enough to sufficiently get them into the postseason. Yeah. Um, so just looking at the series, the odds say they have a 22% chance to sweep, a 43% chance to win two out of three, um, and then a 29% chance to actually drop one because Empire State has been getting hot on the pitching side, but that's about it. March um, 20. Or to, I'm sorry, to drop two. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at there. I, I would, the numbers say they probably win two out of three, but okay. if they sweep, that would not be a surprise either. So what you're saying is my March to 20 hashtag is not looking good for the Grays. No, it is not looking good for the Grays, unfortunately. When the Grays um, win. Hey, the, man, that, jack, that Jackals win, you know, hey. When we watch the Grays win on Sunday, I'm going to tell you March to 20 because they're going to take Friday too. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, just check. They're going to take Friday, they're going to drop Saturday, and they're going to line it up and throw everything they have on Sunday to try and ruin playoff hopes. You watch. Oh, my God. Um, when it happens. You heard it here first, heard it here first folks. <laughs> what did I say? I've been stumping for the Grays all year round. I like the Grays. So, I don't like that they have to exist, but I do kind of root for them a little bit. Yeah, but, oh, well, absolutely. If you're not rooting for the Grays, what are we doing here? Exactly, really. Um, Even Minor Man now, was pulling for him a little bit until they started winning. <laughs> now, it's sort changed. of like uh, a moving target on whether or not that, you know, what will be enough to get them in the playoffs. Because, you know, if they win three games, it, it, the odds of the Boulders and Tracy losing enough change compared to if they only win two. Uh, but I will say the end of the math as Sussex County with a 16.5% chance to make the playoffs after this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the fancy graphic right now. Everybody oh. check out uh, Indieball Nation on social media because I, I randomly post things and then randomly also don't. It's a hit or miss situation. Yeah, And then every once in a while, Dylan Grundlin goes ahead and says, maybe I'm jumping the gun to ask you to put stuff out like this for the American Association. I, I, I let him know. I'm hoping to have it out later today. And then Ryan lies to him by saying it's going to be out later today. Well, actually, hold on, because I have the American Association <laughs> odds. We're going to get into that in a second. I have those pretty much done. It's, it's more of a simple situation where you look at just who's going to make it. It gets a little complicated. It's like, in what seed? But I can figure that out. Yeah. Any case, so I suppose we need to get through Sussex County to keep things moving here. Uh, so mm-hmm. next step they got to get through, a better record than New York. What do you think the likelihood is that they have a better record than New York? We just spent a lot of time on the boulders, too. So The odds they have a better record than New York. Shoot. Um, we don't need a number. We just need a rough estimate. Yeah, I'll give you a rough estimate. It's complicated by the fact that the boulders have that extra game. So I would say, yeah, it's actually about like 71% that Celsius County has a better record at the end of the week. Okay, uh, so that's, so yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's those are pretty. Yeah, so I need a refresher on the. Uh, I need the refresher on the standings. There, I've been looking at like the odds for so long. I was like, wait, how many wins do they have again? <laughs> <laughs> so so far, it looks like they have a pretty good odds of 
getting through the first and second stages here, but can yeah. they get through the third stage of a better record than Tri-City? Yeah, that's the one where it gets a little more complicated. Um, that would mean a few different things. Basically, the odds aren't spectacular. <laughs> uh, the odds are about, I mean, it's about 50-50, oddly. Uh, it's about 50-50 because it would require, yeah, you know, Sussex County falling through a beating Empire State, which is one thing, but they would also require Tri-City, you know, losing an extra game. So, yeah, it works out to almost 50-50. Ooh, so that's a toss-up, essentially. Yeah. So when it boils down to everything lining up correctly, that's where it comes down to about a 16.5%. I will add a little bit of local color to that Tri-City number of being 50-50. One thing that does benefit Sussex County is going from Albany to you know, Augusta, New Jersey is a significantly better ride than going from Albany to Three Rivers, Quebec. Yes. Oh, yeah. So on a human fatigue level. Yeah. God, dude. It is funny the bus. Honestly, I'm always shocked with just how much worse the bus trip is up to Three Rivers and uh, Quebec than we think it might be. I think this is like the kind of thing, and I we need people from actual Quebec to comment on this, but I could very well see it being like a Midwest situation where you're like, why don't they just go this way where it's direct? And it's like, well, there's not a road going there. Yeah, exactly right. It's just the lack of a direct route. Yeah. Any case, uh, last point for Sussex is where's the likelihood they stay hot? Like I said, the fourth one in all of these is going to be kind of a joke, but, you know, still, it's there. But they can well, stay. I mean, yeah. when it comes to Sussex, I think the odds are good. I mean, they've been hot and now they're playing Empire State. Like, that's as, that's the best situation you can get, whether we think Empire State's been hot, you know, compared to Empire State standard or not. It's just, in the end, I mean, they've won two out of ten. So Do they go full 2021 Lincoln Salt Dogs or not? That is the question, isn't it? That was my first thought was the damn Houston Apollos and showing up at the right time. As I said, the uh, <laughs> those travel teams they get the opportunity to completely ruin someone's playoff chances, man. They thrive on that. Yep. So, uh, moving on. Last time we're going to mention the Frontier League this week because we're talking about Tri City here. Their first step is where are the odds they snap their losing streak at some point in the series, getting a win. Break that L five. Okay, the odds of them getting a win in the series are. 90%. Okay, so it's, I don't want to say guaranteed, but it's pretty damn close. It's close, yeah. Okay. So from there, we go, what are, what's the odds they have a winning record in uh, Trois-Rivières? Uh, about 56%. Okay, so. Maybe lower than you would think, but. Still not, right. well, here's the thing, though. Obviously, it doesn't include outside factors like travel, like the motivation, things like that. It just takes into account the numbers here, but. I could see it though. Tri City has a, you know, they have been slumping. They haven't been great as of recent. They're going to not have one of their better arms. There's enough there where I could see it on that end as far as Three Rivers goes. They have some surprising talent still. They, they can every once in a while surprise you a little bit. So I could see it. I could definitely see it being there. I think. The number seems about right. Maybe it is a little bit lower. Maybe around 63 was where I was thinking, but still. Should have made you guess, but it's okay. Yeah. 
any case. <laughs> uh, brings us into the third point for Tri-City. We're moving through them at a good pace now. What's the yeah. odds they have a better record than New York and Sussex? Um, the odds of that I got at 75%. Okay, so they have a 75% shot at making the postseason. Yes, sir. So, overall, despite all the chaos that's gone on over the past week in the Capital Region, if you're a fan of the Valley Cats, you still feel pretty good. Yes, agreed. Okay. Meanwhile, if you're a Boulders fan, despite all that's gone right and wrong this week, you're like, you know what? I'm not loving it. This ain't McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still a long road to go. Um, now, these odds will pretty much flip in their heads the moment, you know, if if uh, Tri-City drops its first game, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Sussex can get the win, then these things are going to completely flip. But um, so don't get too hung up on it quite yet, because especially with this few uh, games to go, these things change very quick. All right. And then, of course, we have the last point for Tri-City, which is mm-hmm. the odds that Pete stays out of trouble. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know what... <laughs> uh, it's a tough one. How much one. trouble can he get in when he yells across and he only gets French back, you know what I mean? Oh, God. He may say um, something about the French, though. That's true. I don't know. Has he gotten in trouble up in uh, French Canada before? I don't think he has yet. I think I that's still alive. But then again, he's not... going to weigh it. He's not well liked by those ankle players. True, I could see that riling him up for sure. Um, oh, I think it doesn't help. About I, I think it's, I'll give him a one in five shot of having an issue. I do think it also weighs on him that not weighs on him, but like is taken into account that like ownership just and like the front office was just like Pete's our guy. Don't talk about Pete. Like yeah. this ain't a Pete issue. That like you're probably a little resistant to a meltdown, but I mean, look, if you're gonna get a meltdown, you're gonna get a meltdown. I, oh I, I'm still kind of disappointed that we don't get more Wally Backman meltdowns, but uh, I that do. From what I've seen, still got it. He'll have an occasional one, but yeah, Pete's an underrated one where if you can get him going, I think you can kind of keep it going. But so uh, we'll move on man. to Kleber and yeah, uh, do it. The first thing uh, up on the list here. Is they need to slow down Sioux Falls. What are the odds they slow down Sioux Falls? Um, well, it depends. It's a four-game series. Uh, by slow down, what do you think is the... What do you define that? How many wins you feel? I think split. I think split would definitely be a slow down. Uh, so the odds of them at least splitting this thing are at... Oh, math is so hard. 71%. Okay, that's pretty good. No, pretty good. That's better than I expected. Now, I will say that it, it doesn't necessarily make... And you might say, well, Sioux Falls is so hot right now. Like, how? It's just because Sioux Falls doesn't have as much to play for. That's definitely helping their numbers. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's factor. Yeah. No. What are the odds they get consistent, though, Cleburne? Like win three or something like that? Yeah, I suppose. Something like that. Basically, they stop doing this, like, left foot, right foot. Play like garbage for a week. Play better than garbage <laughs> for another week. Well, I mean, they well, go they don't got a week... They don't got a week to not play the garbage, I'll tell you that much. So they got they, if half they want, a week. Either way, they're going to get consistent here. They're either going to get wins and not have a chance to really lose too much more other than in a playoff game, 
or they're going to continue to be consistent and lose sketchily when they need wins. Um, in fairness. So there's if, your silver lining if you're a Cleveland fan. In um, fairness, they could win one, lose one, win one, lose one. That's not consistent. Listen, man, shut up. Um, <laughs> you're right, and I'm not going to get into the odds of that happening. Uh, but what I will say is their odds to win this series, like flat out, like win three or four games, is sitting right now at a one-third, so a 33 percent on that one which is pretty good like if you're cleveland i think you'll take those odds uh it's only seven percent they sweep i think even with stuff uh with sioux falls kind of phoning it in uh, potentially a little bit here toward the end i think the odds of them taking four against sioux falls are not very good um, but i think it's worth noting uh, the odds across the board are going to be better than the odds we're looking at when it comes to lake country and the monarchs because that's a tough matchup even with the monarchs really having nothing to play for with the division all wrapped up well, it's a good thing you mentioned them because the next thing is, where are the odds they have a better record than Lake Country does this week? Yeah, um, I've got that at a sixty, called a sixty-eight percent chance. Is that how math works? Something like that. Let good. me double check. Sixty-eight. That feels like math. All right. Um, Go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I got sixty-eight percent that Cleveland beats out Lake Country this week. Okay, so that, that's fairly decent. So that brings us to the final point on Cleburne here, which is to say, what are the odds the railroaders don't die of heat stroke this week? Keeping in mind, they are playing in Cleburne, and the weather for the next four days, including today, is a high of 98, a high of 99, a high of 100, and a high of 100. The lows on those days are 70, 73, 76, and 77. Um, yeah. It's all sun, good. too, by the um, way. Straight sun. Okay, but they're playing at least a night game, I think, in there. I mean... Oh, Jesus, at 5 o'clock, the weather's 97 degrees. Cleveland, what the hell is going on? It's Texas, and this is why they have problems. Like, even when it Here's, drops by, like, 9 o'clock, it's still in the high 80s. Well, here's the good news. Not good news either. Oh, oh man, that's a that's a tough one to take because it's right up there. Yeah, hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to work this out for them, but I don't know if I can do this. It looks like we're hmm. losing at least one pitcher here to the heat stroke. Well, because I think the thing that could really save them is something that isn't even available until next month, unfortunately, in October. What a hurricane! I think. I think the safest thing that you can do, if it's hot and you're feeling exposed to the elements, is to get yourself out of those elements and do something like seeing the Taylor Swift Eras Tour movie. This just shattered AMC's single day pre-sale record, by the way, because the shattered the app too. However, uh, October is the release on that one. So, hey, Cleburne, you're gonna need to cook. But here's the real question because you're missing the point. Cleburne is, what are the odds more people on Cleburne collapse than, than the players for Sioux Falls? Which, dude, there's no way. Going from Sioux Falls to Cleburne? Nah, Poppy. <laughs> First off, we found what your plans are for uh, October 13th, which I want to point out, Taylor Swift scared a horror movie away from opening on October 13th, Friday the 13th. I want to point that out. More important, she knows what she's doing. She's saving the economy single-handedly. Queen. I know. Put her in charge of the treasury already. Let's get it done. More importantly, though, to counter it, 
Cleveland's not that much cooler, man. Cleveland's actually kind of cooler. Here's the weather really? in Sioux Falls. Yeah, here's the weather for Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 93 with a low of 92. 100 with a low of 73. 102 with a low of 74. And then 99 with a high of 75. Yo, South Dakota putting the South in the Dakota. Good God, dude. I'm thinking there may be climate God. problems, but I don't know. Are you okay? Don't worry, though. Saturday's a dry heat. Yeah, right. It's sure. a dry heat. There's less than 40% humidity. God. Oh, good news, too. And it's the same heat wave, wind. too. So it stays around 90 throughout the course of the game. I mean, we got 90 throughout this whole week over in PA. So, like, I don't know. It's going to be spicy here, too. I'm certainly going to complain a bunch. God damn. 96 on Wednesday. Tough scene. Right. We're have some sweaty playoff games we're going to have. Oh, God. Yeah, this is going to be horrible. Give me so my wet. misters. Working up a spit. Need to get those fans with a little mister in it. Yeah, baby. That's what we're rocking. Yeah, it's going to be out of hell. I think we're going to have some players. I think we might see a short outing or two, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that, that's going to, that's tough heat, man. Going to see some empty ballparks or two as well. I mean, who wants to sit in 102 degree heat? Dude, just the sizzle of your skin on that seat. God, you got to buy bottles of water just to dump them on the seat. Like it before, yeah, it's going to hit it and just go, and it's gone. It doesn't matter. Just a cloud just of steam. Eat it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's Sorry. wrap this game up because we keep going on and on here. But uh, uh, the point is, Cleveland's hot. Uh, and we may lose a player or two, but that's what replacements are for. any case. A may die. <laughs> but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> So, Lake Country, uh, what are the odds they break their losing streak this week? They take at least one against the Monarchs. Uh, 93%. Okay, so that's that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty it good. might sound easier than you think, but it's just I, I don't see the Monarchs doing anything but lying up with Richard's death. Okay, so that brings us to point number two. Uh, mm-hmm. What does uh, Lake Country have to do to hope that uh, Casey rests their starters. So the odds Casey rests their starters. We're not even factoring in their winning this series, mind you. But I would say, like, to make sure they rest their starters, how do you mean? Uh, short outings for pitchers, not a lot of regular players in there. Wow. So maybe, like, Herman's I mean, going to go out there for stat purposes to try and help the MVP case. But, you know, other guys, they're not. you're not going to see them. Um, yeah, hold the phone right now. I'm actually looking at something that's now very relevant. Okay. Um, it's also going to be hot as hell in Kansas City. So, oh, uh, I think you see guys. some Friday, Saturday action. I think you probably see guys get pulled early Sunday, Monday. Okay. Because I think Saturday is probably a night game, right? So, probably. I think Sunday, Monday. Either way, Monday, regardless of game time, I think you see some guys get pulled early. I think Sunday day game, you're probably going to get some, some guys get pulled early. So, You'll see some half games or guys just sitting out fully on those. Right. So um, when it comes to it, no, sorry, American Association, you're right in it for the first round. So yeah, I would definitely say you're not going to see many uh, of the top pitchers also out there. So look for it, it to be money time for Lake Country if they can take Saturday or Sunday, Monday and catch Kansas City for a resting guy. All right. So they got something going there. That brings us to mm-hmm. point number three. Or are the odds they have a better record than Cleburne does? Uh, I got that at a 36 
percent. Just about. So you're telling me there's a chance. 32 percent is what I got. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, man, not a bad chance either. All right, so it's not going to go right. Balls with offense. I believe two falls offense because if we're talking more lining up pitching, if we're looking at the two falls side of things, at least to start that week. If Sioux Falls offense comes through and, and really beats up Cleveland's pitching staff game one or two, like Cleveland might be working with like pretty deep in that pitching staff and you could really see some things go sideways. So I think Lake Country's odds are maybe better than people might think. Just looking at like who everyone's playing. Like Sioux Falls has been hot, like we said, and even if they're, you know, they got the playoffs ahead of them, like they can push you on your back pretty quick. And I think the Monarchs are a little more motivated to line up pitching and they, they've been able to take I guess for lack of a term, I, I trust the Monarchs to wisely rest people with confidence that they'll be able to go when the time comes. So, yeah, I think we're country, man. Don't sleep on that. Okay. And uh, this brings me to the last point. I just have pray to God that Casey, you know, doesn't actually try. So what are the odds Casey actually tries? Hmm. I think low. Oh, I mean, I think they they give it an effort for Friday Saturday. Um, what's what's round one for the American Association playoffs? I'm trying to find that, and I can't pick it up anywhere. Do you know? Pop your head. Start date is the sixth. Six. Yes. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's six. It's, it's t- so I think Friday Saturday you're still seeing some top pitchers at least from Kansas City because I think you don't want your guys going a full week without getting on the bump. Um, but I mean, I think third and fourth and fifth, especially if the third and fourth are hot, I would be surprised to see. Um, I would see, so if be surprised on Sunday and Monday if you really see Kansas City trying. So I think it's going to be a split. But the series, as long as the four game, I think we're definitely looking at more of a split on how much effort is being given. And I think we just have to understand Kansas City does not care if they win or lose. If if they come out of things with like, if they drop you out four, they're not going to read into it. They're no, going to know that their foot was off the gas and they're not going to bring that forward to the next series. Like, not like they're going for like you know get momentum. I don't think that's a thing the monarchs think about. All right, so that concludes uh, what we were doing here. Uh, I think we, <laughs> I think we managed to do um something. I really don't know what, but we did something. So that's a positive here. Um, Go team. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it made sense and hopefully it worked out. And hopefully I don't have to cut too much out of it. But we still do have the props and the predictions to get through here. Yeah, let's get through those because, like I said, there's one here that I know is going to have Ryan in knots. I was looking forward to, so I'm I'm very happy about him. All right, let's get after it. Assuming Lincoln misses the playoffs, which I think is a very safe bet if you look at everything, mm-hmm. Kansas City plays Sioux Falls in round one. Um, if you're Kansas City, you're not considering picking Fargo. You want that travel? I don't know. How much further is that? <laughs> it's significantly, dude. Uh, look at the map. Wait, yeah, I'm asking right. the dude that failed at the travel game about travel. Listen, man. Um, it's a five-hour drive. I don't know, dude. Um, That's a long ride to Fargo. Three. It's actually a three, but Kansas City, I think it's beaten the hell out of Fargo this season. I think they might play Fargo, man. I'm telling you. I, I really don't think they want that travel. That's a suck-ass ride, So really about travel. I'm worried about the fact that Kansas City is 9-1 and one against Fargo this season. I get that, and I understand that, but, like, that's a long commute, man, for a three-game set. Because here's the thing, too, that you can already think about, is, okay, they're the ones deciding who they're playing. 
So they can go right ahead to, um, like, they can already know where they're going, whether anyone else does or not. They can have their busing figured out, leave right from the game, take the bus ride, but then have two days just chilling if they want to, not on the bus. Bro, if I'm Kansas City. Yeah, but then you got to turn around after that game and go right back down to KC. That's a long commute. Bro, there's six and six against two falls, and they've lost five of the last seven against two falls. Do not, you're going to say, don't play two falls, man. No way. Fargo's still battling for that spot late. They're wasting pitching. Go play Fargo. Don't be ridiculous. What about Sioux City, though? They not factor in this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where Sioux City falls and all this. Um, I, don't, I don't think I would go that far, you know, up the ranks of things. I, I think that feels a little odd. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't know if I'd welcome the Sioux City mess. What, I mean, it doesn't maybe any year, let's not count that. That was a different team. But but they have a losing record. Sioux City has won all three series against, or all four series against Kansas State this year. So do not, they're definitely going to go play Sioux City. How are you going to lose to a team that's about to be homeless? I don't know, man. But look, what I know is they lost two out of three last time, two out of three the time before that, two out of three the time before that, and then three straight the one before. So they're really? what? Three and nine against Sioux City this year. So yeah, they ain't going this way. Well, I'm telling you, if I'm them, I'm definitely going to go play Fargo. All right, all right, all right. I'm confident. I, I, I. And I do think, I, I think I feel differently if they weren't in the situation they were in where they know they get first pick of who they play. They could probably already make that decision right now, already have their hotels and busing situated. They can take a rest day after wrapping up this series if they want to, and then they can hit the road and still have a rest day on the back end, so hopping off the bus and straight to Fargo. That's right. Yeah, right. Well, if it wasn't so like so ridiculous, I, I would say if they had like two more losses against Fargo, I might even feel differently. But like nine and one against Fargo is kind of silly. <laughs> it's, it's like really weird. Fair. Not why. All right. Well, we got one other prediction, oh, two others, and then two props, and then we'll be done with this. So, uh, let's just get to that. Milwaukee wins the East and picks Kane County or Lake Country in round one. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that's a multi-level thing here, huh? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the safe bet. If for another travel again's a factor in it, they're both you know either three or four, right there. The reason why I say mm-hmm. Kane County or Lake Country is if Cleburne gets that spot, under no circumstance do you take Cleburne. The travel sucks yeah, too much. Right. I don't. I don't care about record. I don't care about anything else. That travel sucks, especially in a series yeah. where you're playing. One game there, and then coming back up to deal with the mess that is the banana ball on top of your playoff game, which still oh, has yet to be God. resolved. Yeah, but yeah, morons. Yeah. So, regardless of how it shakes out, you don't want to go down to Claiborne deal with the heat mess, which Christ knows how mm-hmm. hot it's going to be then. You don't do that. So that then puts you into you're not taking the dogs. So process of elimination. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think I agree with that one fully. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, they they got to play King County. Um, they've been fighting against King County throughout the year. Just got a couple wins against them again. Uh, Milwaukee also gives me that. I, I started checking on their games more often when they started this slot, this sort of recent skid. Um, I don't know. They have the vibe of a team that's just kind of phoning some games in. Like they're not necessarily going as hard as they possibly could. Um, I think like little things. Yeah. I think Chicago 
There, keep in mind here, yeah. before you say what you're going to say, Milwaukee plays Gary to end the year. Chicago's playing Sioux City. Right. Five times, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think Chicago's been streaky, though, and they just lost. They lost two to Gary. Oh, God. I think, yes. I think Milwaukee wins the division, despite seemingly their best effort to this time. Um, and I do think, yeah, they take King County and they send Chicago down to Cleveland. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Or, by the way, Chicago does play well, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, any case, last prediction, Billings wins the second half North title in the Pioneer League. For a record, Billings Ooh. is one game back. They've won 10 straight. Missoula is... Oh, dude, they're so uh, hot. I know. I thought about ranking <laughs> oh, them, too. I, I really thought about it. I thought about too. I thought about too. Wait, oh, was the same man. thing that held That's me up? Held, team. Yeah, what held me up from ranking them, though, I was like, oh, they're just barely 500, though. And, like, if I'm going to yeah. rank Billings, I'm like, there's a 61-win team here in the Pioneer League. Like, Yeah, man. Oh, I can't rank Billings if I don't rank Missoula, and I can't rank Missoula because it's not good enough. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy I this one. Um, yeah. And they're not beating nobody, by the way. Like, Idaho Falls, they beat six times. That sucks. But they did yeah. beat Ogden. The Ogden's the kind of trash, too. But, bro, they hung 60, what, six? 50, 61, 64 runs on Ogden in three games. That happened. Dude, what? First of all, Ogden, you, you okay, kids? You all right? You can um, ask about the whole South Division. Like, If you look at them, they're all within three games of each other on the year. And look, I don't think Ogden has anything for Billings at this point. And they're going back to Great Falls. They tend to beat... Um, and then they go to NOCO, who... God, I don't remember what they did against them earlier in the year this season since forever. Man, Junction's been kind of hot, too. They played well against them in Colorado this year, too. I mean, I don't see them losing much, but what's Missoula got on the calendar here? And keeping on Missoula is all playoff-focused. Um, oh, Idaho, uh, they have Idaho Falls, Boise, Glacier. Hey, man, I think Missoula still might get this. <laughs> um, I think Missoula's probably being careful with the bullpen. Despite them not being as good as they've been, they kill, they they kill Boise <laughs> and Idaho yeah. Falls. Honestly, so they put up some numbers on Idaho Falls last time. I think they played. Actually, you know what's neat? For one time. What's kind of neat is Missoula what? could probably, in a roundabout way, pick who they're playing, right? Because they win the first half. It looks like it'd still be Glacier that gets the wild yeah. card over Billings. Yeah. And it seems like that's pretty safe. It's five and a half games. So, yeah. like, if you'd rather have Glacier, you just turn, you turn it on a little bit, win enough games. Did you say they have Glacier on their own schedule? Yeah, they got their home against Glacier throughout the year. Perhaps maybe you... For three. Maybe you turn the Jets off those three. Maybe you let Glacier get a game or two. It's playing with fire because you don't want to give them that much confidence so you're about to play them. But at the same time, you're like, Billings is really hot. I don't like that. I think they take two out of, uh, I think Billings takes two out of these last three against Ogden. I think Missoula might sweep Idaho Falls. Would not be surprised. No, I think they take two out of three. Backing up on that one. So I think they stay even through there. I think um, Great Falls at Billings. I'm missing a game on someone. That's my problem. So let's see here. Do, do any of them have four against somebody on their calendar still? 
I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I'm going off their original schedule for the year as my issue. Um, mm-hmm. Missoula, three against Idaho Falls. They take two of those. Three against Boise. Oh, my God. Let's see. Um, you just got to control that fast thing. They club Boise pretty bad last time I saw them, I think. Eh, split. I don't know. I still think two out of three. I think they're, they're put off the gas a little bit. Um, and they take probably two of three on Glacier again. So I'm going to go six and three from Missoula down the stretch. On the flip side, let's look at Billings. Um, Billings has three against, three more against Ogden. Uh, I think they take two of those. Three against Great Falls. Oh, God, Great Falls is... Mm-hmm. Great Falls probably take... They could take two out of three there. I got, nah, I think Missoula will take it. Sorry, that's what I got. Okay. Sorry, I had to talk about it a little bit, but I still got Missoula taking it. All right. Speaking of Missoula, that brings us to one of our yep. props. Missoula Good. finishes with 65 and a half wins on the year. Oh, yeah, over. Over? All day? Yep. Okay. All right. Dude, that just means they have a winning record down the stretch here. And we just look at, I mean, they have three against Idaho Falls. Like, nah, man. All right. Uh, and then the second prop is Leo Cabrera hits two and a half home runs this week. Ooh. Ooh. He's hot. Yes, so he hot is. Right now. Yes, he is. Very hot. Ooh. Insatiably. Oh, my God. He's hot. He's, like, he's on schedule. I don't I'm know who's so on schedule. on the playoff races. Oh, yeah. damn you. All right. I'll. No, fine. I'll do everything. I know. That's why you're here. I'll do everything as you ask your pre-prepared questions. <laughs> um, uh, oh, we got Lexington and Long Island. Uh, yeah. That's good for in two. Lexington. In Lexington? No, at home. No. They go to no, Long Island, though. At Lexington. I have away team being the counterclocks. Ooh. Drama. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I have home spire side quest. Yeah. No. Uh, why? That's so weird that that would have a disagreement there. Yeah. No, they're wild. Yeah, they're in Lexington, Wild House Field. I'm looking at the actual roster for the team. No, says, you're right, and it says stream the game, but it says Wild House Field. No. I'm telling know, you, man. like, cause, like, you click on the team, and it says you can't buy. It says go. Don't trust. Are you on the Atlantic site? Yeah. Don't trust that trash site. <laughs> trust the fact that the ghost towns are not selling tickets to that game. Yo, something I'm, cool just happened. What happened? random thing here? I may have to cut this. If you go to like the main homepage for the Atlantic League, they include Hagerstown. But if you go to like one of the other things, it's not listed. You go to like, if you click standings, they disappear from the header. But if you go to the main landing site, Hager sounds in there. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, real quick on the ADD moment here. No, I got Lexington at home even on theirs. You're crazy. Um, All right. I think Cabrera, so it's two and a half this week? Yes, two and a half this week. How many has he hit in the past week? I'm trying to remember. I don't know how many he's hit this past week. I do know that he has 32 on the season, second uh, among all batters. Okay. Let me, uh, checking, checking, checking. 
I'll have to, I'll be guessing you in a second. All right. Uh, yeah, he hit one this week. I don't know if he hit more than that, though. Might just hit one. Yeah. And I think he'll probably hit two this week, if I'm honest. I don't think he hits three. All right. So you're taking the under, then? I'm taking the under. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm taking the over on Missoula. I'm taking the over on Cabrera, too. Do you say you're tracking these, by the way? No, but I figure they're on record, so I could just go back and listen to the end of these shows and then make notes then. Sure. I'm okay with that because I don't feel like finding a fresh page to write them down. So we'll go with it. All right. Uh, also, there's just one more fun one I had on here. Uh, there will be 11 and a half playoff teams remaining between the Frontier and American Association the next time we record. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a okay. fun one. Keep in mind, playoffs start on the 5th and 6th for those leagues, respectively. Okay. And we're talking Pioneer as well? No, no, we're just talking no, Frontier. Week out, so that's right. yeah. Just Frontier and American. So how many teams are going to be knocked out by then? Well, the wild card is going to be done in yep. Frontier, if I recall. Yes, it will. So that brings us to 12. The question is, is there a sweep, basically? Basically, yeah. It comes down to, is one of the uh, two, three oh, games... getting bounced, for sure. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I'm going under. Taking the under? Okay. Yeah. Don't ask me who. Oh, that's a future Ryan issue. But <laughs> someone's getting bounced. Someone's going to take a bus ride and then have to go home sad. Or somebody's going to be home, not be checked in, and someone's going to go off the bus hot and club them. See, here's where I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over because I don't know if we're recording Thursday or Friday. And if we're recording Thursday, they play Thursday. So I may get it on a technicality. Mm, yeah, you might. Or I'll control things and say, oh, I'm not available to Friday. You could. You absolutely could do that. <laughs> and then I could edit this to be awkward for you. Uh Oh my god! Yeah, any case, we reached the end of this. I, it's gone on longer than I kind of expected, but it also went on for the roughly same time. It's just longer because, well, we wasted two hours before we started, so it happens frequently. So you know, I guess you want to plug your stuff. You could do that now, and then I'll do the usual plug thing. I'll say my usual Indieville Nation on just about whatever, and uh, I'll try to post something this week. It's been, uh, life, is, life is crazy. Yeah, especially when you have stuff already done that just has to be like uploaded. If you're wondering how bad it's going, it's I have finished stuff I just haven't been able to post. So, yeah. Hey, man, if anyone wants to intern with me, intern with me, you will get probably no college credit. Is it a paid internship? Because, look, I don't know what to write is like these days. Is it paid? No. Oh. Am I paid an experience? Sure. Yeah. Not saying it's a experience, though. Uh, do you provide on-site lodging? No. <laughs> Is there any sort of tangible benefit from this? Look, you can sleep wherever the hell you want. I ain't going to say anything about it, but ain't going to be here. So, can I sleep in the bed of your truck? Sure, man. That's All fine. Right. I don't care anymore. But don't get mad if I start driving down the highway while you were taking a nap. Usual plugs, Indie Ball Pod on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days. Indie Ball Report everywhere else. IndieBallReport.com. Got show notes, which you're actually going to want to go to for once because there's actually a lot of stuff 
where the video and the pictures of what's happening are very useful. Uh, so be sure to go check that out there. That's pretty much all. Until next time, don't forget to play ball. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like thinking of my hands currently because I'm like trying to like think step by step. Here. Oh, yeah, that's going at the end of the show. Hell yeah.